On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, we have an offensive tackle preview, a Pat's Madness recap, the blowback from Greg Schiano leaving, and maybe a little bit talk about the AAF a little bit as well. Spags is back in the building. It's a heck of a show. Buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Closer to the draft and uh, some actual football, so uh, missed a good show last week, obviously with Rich. But you know what? You held down the fort pretty well. You know, next man up hey, that mentality, right? That's the way it works. You know, life happens. We got to uh, you know adapt and overcome, right? Absolutely. So, it's good to be back. Yes, sir. Good to have you back. So, um, so let's get right into the Shiano stuff, man. That was that was crazy last week. Bizarre. Uh, Shiano, Very bizarre. Leaving. Yeah, it's just. It was completely unexpected, obviously. Um, it was a move. I don't know how you felt about it. When they announced that they hired Shiano, I was pissed. Because I, I, I just thought, what are we doing bringing Shiano in? It just it didn't make any sense. And it screamed of like the Dean Pease move, you know, back in the day. And he, Pease was terrible. And it's like, why are we bringing guys that are outside already proven uh, defensive coordinators? It's It's stupid. You know, Belichick well, had too, his handful you saw, you know. You, you saw that, sorry to cut you off, you saw that what, what Bennett mm-hmm. said before when he got here that yeah. he said he was an idiot. He was he was the worst, you know, what, what, did he play for him or did he? He played for him for one year him. in Tampa, yeah, yeah. he said he was terrible. He said he was terrible. So, I mean, it is a weird situation, obviously. You know, I did see that his kid is in college now playing quarterback and his daughter's a senior in high school like looking at colleges so it might have been strictly family related but it, it was it was weird that like you know all of a sudden it's just oh hey Craig Shiano has gone right it's just a bizarre situation and like I said you know you get the you get the young he has a ton of young coaches in his system and that's worked you know you had Flo come in and he was really good you had Matty Peek in and he was good and so it's like you have these guys that are pretty good defensive coordinators that are coming from his tree and so you looked, you know, I myself, I said, okay, as soon as as soon as Flo, you know, was rumored to go to Miami, I said, okay, well, it's either going to be Josh Boyer, who's the defensive backs coach, or it's going to be um, uh, Brandon Daly, who was the defensive line coach. And so I said, okay, one of those two guys is going to take over that role and be kind of that next guy up because they were the guys that have been there the longest. And, you know, when you look at Boyer, and Boyer got a lot of heat from uh, – used to get a lot of heat from Felger and Maz because he went to some school in North Dakota, the mining and technology or some stupid crap like that. And they got all of, oh, it's so stupid, whatever. But it's like the guy knew what he was doing. I mean, look what he does every year with these undrafted rookies that come in. 
you know, and every, every single year they're doing that consistently. And, you know, um, uh, they both left, they both gone. And so now it's, you can't even put one of those guys in that role because you wanted to hire Shiano. You let those two guys walk. And I, look, you know, maybe they would have walked anyways, but I think one of them went to Detroit and one of them went with, with flow down to Miami, but neither of them are defensive coordinators this year. If you had said to either of those guys, I want to make you the de facto defensive coordinator next year. They would have stayed. And, yeah. but you didn't, you hired Shiano instead and they both left. And now you got nothing. You know, what's Gerard Mayo going to be the defensive coordinator this year? Like, come on. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I know. And, it, but I mean, did, did, you did see what Hightower said about Mayo that he thought he was a smart football player until he stepped on the field with Gerard Mayo. So, yeah. you know, what's he listed as a linebacker coach right now? I mean, right. it, it, it'll probably be someone labeled as the defensive play caller, you know, like we talked about. But, I mean, realistically, Belichick's calling the shots. He's getting the final word. And you know Ernie up top. So I'm not really worried about it. I mean, it, it, it didn't really shake me that way in, the, in a no. wrong way, I guess. Right. right. And I understand that. I mean, they'll be fine. You know, but I just – to me, I just feel like I feel better when there's someone else in that role. And not even not even because I don't trust Belichick, because I do. But it's just too much me, on his plate. Uh, it's yes, it's too much on his plate. Number one, and the other thing for me too is that I want someone there challenging him. That's what I want. I feel like Flo last year challenged Belichick, and it, not not challenge maybe isn't the right word, but he pushed the boundaries a little bit. They blitzed a lot more than they did last year. They were a lot more aggressive than they had been in the past. And maybe that was Belichick saying we have the horses to do it, so let's do it. Or maybe that was Flo saying, hey, you know, this is kind of my style, and this is what I want to do. And Bill saying, "Hey, let's go with it, right? And if you got to dial it back, then I'll I'll rein you in or whatever. But like, but let's roll with it, you know. And I just, um, I, I just, I, I get concerned that Bill, as smart as he is and as good as he is, you know, can fall into those same tendencies uh, that he's been doing for twenty years. And I don't know if that works in the NFL anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, and I mean, I mean, it's it is." developing i mean you've seen offenses develop into a new newer style like look at you know right. sean McVay and and the way andy reed kind of called the offense for mahomes um i still think i mean i'm not gonna you know take belichick's thinking you know too too far and, and say it's out of style because he just held a team with arguably right. the best offense to, th- to, th- to three points but you know i mean it is interesting you know but i i mean what do you, what do you think i mean they, they're gonna have to have someone internally that you know, might be labeled as, like I said, the, the defensive play caller, but it is interesting. It's kind of late to be like looking for a D coordinator, I feel like. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, you know, whether it's someone inside or whether they just say, you know, Bill's going to handle the defense this year. I think, you know, the guy probably closest to that job right now is Belichick, but not Bill. Steve is is probably on the defensive side of the ball, the closest guy to that position. And so, you know, whether he would do that or not, whether he thinks Steve is ready or not, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know much about, you know, his, I mean, obviously he's been with the Patriots for a while, but I don't know, you know, about his acumen and, and how, you know, how well he'd adapt to it or whatever. So it's obviously a ton of pressure to put on the kid as well, because just with the last name, like everyone expects you to be the best. I and know. so, yeah, no. you know, it's a lot, it's yeah. a lot of pressure to put on a guy, especially when he wasn't prepared for that role going into the off season, but I don't know, maybe he just says, Hey, I'm going to take you into my wing. I mean, you know, he's his son, so he could probably do that if he wanted to, but like, 
you know, you're the guy for next year. So I'm going to be the guy running the, running the defense, but you're my right hand man for this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, it's in, yeah, it's in the family, right? Right. I mean, that's the way it works, but I mean, look at Vrabel, you know, you talk about Mayo coming back and how smart of a player Mayo was. And I think that that, you know, that showed, be, you know, like I thought, I thought when he was hired, because when it first came out, it said he was hired as he was hired on the Bill Belichick staff. He didn't have a label. And I was like, there it is. You know, there's your D coordinator. I, I, originally I was thinking like, oh shit, you know, they, they might've fired Chiano and, and wanted Mayo to come in and call the shots, but. Obviously, he's well, a linebackers coach, but I mean, he can he can take on a bigger load. I mean, you never really know what goes on in that sidelines, anyways. Right. I mean, Shiano left the day after Mayo got hired. It was the so, day like, after. So that it was makes the sense, day after. Right? So I mean, maybe they said, "Hey, you know, Mayo's going to be the guy right below you. Like, you're going to train Mayo this year. Basically, it's a one year gig for you, and then and, you know, and Mayo's taking over, or, or you know, who knows? But maybe that's what they said. And Shiano was like, "Dude, go pound sand. I'm out of here." I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, there's no way we'll ever know that. I mean, that's just complete just speculation. Yeah. But like, you know, but to me, yeah. I mean, maybe there's some sort of connection because it's just a weird, it's a weird timeline. Like yeah. he's he's devoted all this time already to scouting and traveling and doing, and then to just turn around and be like, mm, actually, I'm out. Like it just it just seems strange for you know for him to time it that way. You know, in the day oh, after so so we'll see. But you know, it's. Like I said, the biggest the biggest thing for me is that you know you have turnover in the in the off in the coaching staff, and as there has been you know in the past, Matty P left last year, Flo's leaving again this year. They lost um, O'Brien, um, not O'Brien, uh, Chad O'Shea, the uh, the wide receivers coach from last year. They lost you know now that it was in Boyer and Daly, so they're losing guys kind of all over the place on offense and on defense. So they're going to have to replace them. You know, and look, they have guys waiting in the wings. I mean, they always do, right? They, it's not like one guy coaches a wide receivers and no one else can handle it. But Chad O'Shea's been here for a while coaching the wide receivers, and he's a pretty darn good coach. And so, uh, you know, he left for for some greener pastures and maybe you know a little bit up a little bit more upward mobility for him. You know, but it's yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I just think. I think Boyer would have been my pick, really, to be to be defensive coordinator, or you know, whatever the position was called. It's not called defensive coordinator, but whatever it's called, that first year, Boyer would have been my pick for it, and they let him walk because they thought they had Chiano, and that that pisses me off more than anything else. I'm yeah. like, oh, like that's just that's just it's careless, and what it is, I mean, Chiano screwed them over, but I don't I don't know. I know Bill likes Chiano, but I don't know anyone that likes Chiano to be honest with you. No one does. So it's it's just one of those weird situations. I don't know, but yeah, anyway. no, I agree. So, yeah, it's you know we'll see. I mean, look, like you said, ultimately, if Bills run the defense, they're going to be fine. So yep. it's you know it's like hey, what are you going to do? You know, um, but that's the way it goes. So, so anyways, let's get into let's get into Pat's madness now. Pat's madness is over. Thank you all for voting. Uh, we had tens of thousands of votes uh total on the whole thing which was awesome uh we got people involved on facebook and on twitter in the championship week which was really cool uh so people voting on facebook people voting on twitter and overwhelmingly overwhelmingly super bowl 51 crushed super bowl 36 i knew it which i knew it I surprised knew it. I knew me you were right i mean you were right about that you know i i just we talked about it. I mean, we ranked our Super Bowls, and for us, 
I think 51 was both of our I, seconds, wasn't it? Was it second yeah, for had, both of us? Yeah, it was second. I had 49 for one, and you had 36 for one. Right. Okay. So, you know, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, honestly, we're, we're sitting here talking about ranking We're too spoiled. And, we're too spoiled. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? But but I think 51, the allure of the 28 to 3 is really what brings it in. And, and you can make the argument that 49 was a better game from start to finish. Uh, you probably can make that argument, and I and I think you wouldn't necessarily be wrong, you know. But to, to come from being absolutely completely dominated, like the Patriots were against the Falcons, to come back and win that game, it's still the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And, and look, Great. I mean, it, it's just it's wild, right? And and you know, it wasn't as improbable as as a Super Bowl thirty six win, and it wasn't as crazy as a Super Bowl forty nine win, but you know, it was just like you're down 25 points. I mean, in the Seahawks game, they were down 10, and no one had ever done that in the history of the Super Bowl had ever come down from 10 points down in the fourth quarter to win. And they're playing arguably the best defense, you know, in the history of the NFL. I mean, if they win that game, if the Seahawks win that game, and they go back-to-back years with having the best defense, winning back-to-back Super Bowls, and beating Peyton Manning and then and then Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, they're probably considered the greatest defense of all time. And the Patriots ruined that entire franchise. They just crushed the entire franchise with that one game with, you know, the greatest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl until two years later, obviously. But, like, it was the best comeback in the history of the Super Bowl, and they were playing the best defense in the history of the game, perhaps. And so, you know, there's a lot of arguments for 49. And, again, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but, like, Malcolm Butler with the with arguably the best play in the history of the NFL. And so it's like you have all these different things that happen, but – but 51 is just, I mean, it's 28 to 3. Like, it's 28 to 3. I mean, last week, what was what, March 28th? And we were like, everyone was like, happy 328. Like, it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be like that forever. And I think that over the course of time, that 51 will be the one that is most appreciated only because it was just so unbelievable that no one ever thought that it would be possible. I mean, you're watching the game thinking, Patriots have a chance, but realistically, you're like the Patriots don't have a chance. I mean, they have a chance to make it close, but no one in their right mind was thinking the Patriots going to win this game down twenty to no. three. Nobody was thinking. Absolutely that. not. Absolutely not. Amen. I mean, amen to everything you said. It was, uh, like, you know, I was forty nine. I was a forty nine guy just because of it's been a decade and it's been a while since they won it. But right, like you said, when you look back, it's when you think of the Super Bowls, fifty one is going to come to your mind. You know, twenty years right. from now, it's just it, it's just is yeah because of all the reasons right. you said. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you know, it's funny because 36 and 49 are similar in the fact that there was a lot more riding on it stakes-wise, right? The Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl in forever. You know, going into 01, they were huge underdogs. They were there. Brady was, you know, this new kid. He drives them down and and scores and wins the game. And like you said with 49, they had been there twice. They hadn't won. It had been 10 years. And, you know, there was some talk about, like, can the Patriots actually get it done in the big game anymore? Uh, you know, and, and I mean, like they had been there twice. It's not like they hadn't been in the Super Bowl. Not like they hadn't been successful, but they hadn't, they just hadn't made the soup. They hadn't won the Super Bowl. Two since lucky plays. You know, and that's right. And that's what it comes down to. Right. And that's a lot of times that's what it comes down to. And it's just, you know, it just so happened the ball bounced the Patriots way that time, uh, you know, after it bounced the Seahawks way. But 
anyways, it's look, I mean, they're all such great games. I think for me personally, those three are the top three and everything else, every other game in, in, in Patriots history is, you know, two or three steps below those three games. Cause those are the three really, and put them in any order you want. You want to put 51 first and 36 second and 49 third or whatever, however you want it, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever order you put them in, I think those three stand head and shoulders above the rest, the rest of the games in Patriots history. I agree. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're so spoiled anyways. It's like, Pick your poison. I mean, they, obviously, some of them. This past one, I'm surprised it made it that far because it wasn't very enjoyable. But, I mean, it kept you on the edge of your seat. Every single one does. But, I right. mean, for me, it's 51, 49, 36. Any, other, any way you put them, I don't care. I, I agree with you either way. I can see why you, why you put it that way. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm, I'm glad you guys had fun with it, you know. Uh, and thank you for voting. We appreciate that. And we hope that you, you know, kind of keep – Keep going. We do have some more fun things coming. We're not going to reveal anything yet, but we do have some Spags and I have kind of kicked around some things uh, that we're going to be doing, uh, you know, after the draft. And so, you know, we, we have some fun stuff coming up. we got a lot of draft talk coming up the next two episodes, as you can imagine. Um, well, the next three episodes, I should say. Um, but, you know, but yeah, it should be, it should be interesting. So we have some, some more fun things that people can get involved with. So, so it should be fun. So let's get into our uh, let's get into our previews here. We were talking about tackles uh, this week, offensive tackles this week, and you know this is a position of need for the Patriots. They they signed a guy this week, swing tackle at best. You know maybe the guy will be a backup, maybe he won't. Um, he's not really on the radar for anyone. It's not like he's going to be starting anywhere. So um, you know, so they signed a guy this week, great. But I think the biggest thing that, that this position comes down to is Isaiah Wynn. Number one, what's his health look like? And number two, can he play the left tackle spot? That's really the question, right? You didn't see it. You know, you didn't get a chance to see it. He, he ripped his Achilles and what I think it was a second preseason game. So you didn't really get a chance to see him live game speed, you know, playing left tackle in the NFL. And so, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like just yet. So this year, offensive tackle could be a really big spot for them. So um, Spags, you want to start us off? Yeah, I got uh, Caleb McGarry, redshirt senior, out of uh, Washington. Offensive tackle, he's 6'6", 318, 6'6", 318, sorry. Um, some of his issues starting off, issues when facing speed rushers. Um, there's going to be a lot of them in the NFL, obviously. Uh, rarely faced edge rushers, teeing off from an outside technique, yet he still gave up pressure on the handful of refs he did see. Um He's very good in the in run blocking. Uh, that's kind of his his uh, his strength. Uh, played a little bit on the edge, but he like you said, he's a swing tackle, something they need. And the Patriots actually had him in for a visit, so uh, could be someone to watch for. He's projected around like I think it's like anywhere from late third to early fifth. He could even go in the sixth. So late, late, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a swing there. But um, if he's there, it looks like the Patriots um, have some interest in him. So yeah. Well, and he uh, so this kid actually was an interesting article written by uh, Ben Solak, who you guys might be hearing from uh, from soon as well. He works at the Draft Network, and he's talking about uh, Caleb and how he collapsed uh, in his in the gym, and you know almost died in the gym, and and his kind of comeback from that, and you know heart issues and stuff he, he had. So, uh, you know, certainly an interesting read from from that as well. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it's he's the type of guy too. Big frame, 
you know, I think that that's, I think he could be a good fit for them. And like you said, a little bit later, I think that, you know, offensive tackle is not something they're going to dress in the first round, although who the hell knows what they're going to do. But, you know, that third to fifth round is kind of that sweet spot for them. So I think that's kind of where we all, you know, I think all, all four of the guys that we got are kind of in that spot. So, um, so I like him a lot. Uh, my first guy is David Edwards. He's from Wisconsin. Now, I just feel like the Patriots have a type, right? If the Patriots are, like, looking for a girl, they have a type, right? And they have a type at offensive tackle. They like tall guys, fairly athletic, and guys that can build onto their frame. You look at Nate Solder. You look at, you know, guys like Wynn, even Tony Garcia a few years ago. Like, guys that are tall and, you know, and pretty strong, but also can build onto their frame as well. Edwards fits that mold. He's 6'7", 320, strong kid. Um, you know, a little bit of a poor technique in uh, in the passing game, but you know they do have the best offensive line coach in in football, and so that's you know that's kind of that's good for them. Again, checks a lot of the boxes. Got great length, decent decent athleticism, and a frame that can add some size. And again, he's more of a project, but he could project as a starter as well. You know, in the right in the right situation. And so, uh, you know, Edwards is another guy a little bit later, but uh, could be an interesting fit for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, who knows who they're going to attack at, at offensive tackle with Scar. I mean, they probably feel like they can, you know, really, you know, mold anybody into a uh, into a, in a into a great tackle. Obviously, I tweeted out earlier in the year, I think they're, besides when, everybody else was a third or fourth round later. Actually, Joe Thune was a third rounder. Everybody else was either undrafted or a later round. So, obviously, yep. they attacked their tackles later in the draft. Obviously, when's a different story, and we'll see how he holds up. Um I got um, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, he is 6'4", 302, got a 33-inch hand, 10'13", bench 23, vertical 28. Uh, he's projected middle, second rounder. Uh, he's phenomenal as combine interview, displaying an outstanding knowledge of technique. He's viewed as a safe pick, uh, can turn into a quality starter. One thing I did find um, interesting about him is that he played also tackle and guard, tackle and guard, so... Obviously, it's a little bit of a swing tackle there, like you said. Um, coming from Alabama, obviously, Bill was at their pro day. Played well for Alabama. Some team sources say they have graded Williams as a late first-round pick, while others have graded him in the second. Uh, smart blocker who is steady and reliable. Sources say they're projecting Williams to start at a right tackle position in the NFL. Like, he is big. He's uh, mobile, can, can handle elite pass rushers. Yep. I mean, that's... Again, right? Sounds like sounds like a guy that the Patriots are looking. I think at. that's my third Bama guy, Pat. I think that's my third Bama guy. So I they got to get right. one of them. Hey, man! I mean, they just—that's what they do every year, right? So uh, that's what they do, right? I mean, attack. Why not? It's Bama, right? So uh, my last guy is Trey Pipkins. He is from Sioux Falls, which I, I mean, if you can pinpoint Sioux Falls on a map, I mean, good luck to you. Uh, obviously a super, super small school, but another guy, great length and athleticism. He was invited to the combine. So you talk about a small school kid, but he's still here at the combine. And he was what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh overall in the three cone drill for offensive linemen. And so you start looking at like that athleticism from a tackle position, East West shrine game. He dominated in the East West shrine game. Uh, you know, again, Small school, that jump could be big for him. But, you know, if they're not if they're not necessarily 
going to think about putting him in right away. Kid's 6'6", 309 right now. So he's got a ton of room to grow. They can add a lot of bulk to his frame, uh, that kind of base athleticism already. And so he's the type of guy that could be an interesting fit for them. You know, again, somewhere between the third and fifth round, if if that's where he's going to land. Um, and, you know, could be an interesting kind of look at, at them where they say, okay, he'll be a swing tackle for a year or two. And then if Marcus leaves, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just Sioux Falls is dope. I mean, what the hell, right? I mean, that's, that's, small that's pretty school, cool. man. Hey, what, whatever. I'll take the small yeah. school guys. They always pan out here, so. Right. Seems like it, doesn't it? Seems like it. So, um, so that's, that's pretty much all we have, although I do want to chat. First of all, before we get – we're going to talk a little AAF, but before we get into that, the Jets uniforms. Did you see this whole event that happened on Thursday night with the Jets uniforms? It was insane. They look like the Andes. They look like the Andes candy, dude. They do look like the Andes candy. You're right about that. But they also, like – do they had, like – they had a ridiculously huge event, like a big party. They had people, like it was like a concert to, to reveal new uniforms. <laughs> it's like it's it's just. I, I think Zoe was like quote tweeted it and was like, "Be very, very, very thankful for your for your sports teams doing." Oh, oh yeah, like, I was just gonna I mean, say. It's so true. Like, it is. Oh. Yeah, like I mean, it's like the teams that are so bad. They got nothing. Yeah. They got to hype it up somehow that they have to do a new jersey reveal, and they came out shitty. It's not like they were nice jerseys. Yeah, they didn't come out great. They didn't. Come, I, I'll tell you what. I actually, I actually don't mind them. Oh, I mean, they're they're, they're, they're they're bland. I think they're bland, but they're really not. I don't know. I think the all black looks dope. I really do. I, I think the all black looks nice. And the, will those be uh, their color rush? I'm assuming. Yeah, they're the alternate jerseys. I think the I all mean, black be cool would be little mix up and stuff, there. but. It reminded yeah. me of that movie with Mark Wahlberg. What is that? Invincible? It reminded me of the Philly Philly uh, jerseys back then. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they're just not – like, I just – I don't understand the change. I just don't get it. Like, they're just, like, bland. You know, even, like, the white like the white and green, like, they look fine, but they're just not – it's like, that's your rollout? You like, you're like, oh, look at this, and then, you, and then you come out with that, and it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, they're not. I don't know. They're not the worst jerseys in the NFL, but they're certainly not like anything to get excited about. And and the paneling, no. the paneling doesn't make sense. The 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 um, you have to look at the picture. You know, those of you that are listening, because obviously, clearly, it's a podcast. So here I am talking about the jersey, and you can't see anything. But like, but the fact that it's a horizontal stripe at the at the front of the shoulder pad is just bizarre. It just looks weird. It just, just doesn't look right. And so. I don't get the horizontal stripe. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Usually they do it around the sleeve, but this one like goes, but doesn't go all the way to the. I don't. It, it's just. It stop like. It's just so strange. If you're gonna do the, that horizontal stripe, do it to the collar. Do it all the way to the collar. It's it's like an inch away from the collar, but not all the way to the collar. I, I just don't. I don't get it. I, I just don't understand. I just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's just. It's ridiculous. And so, yes, you start looking at it more and you're like, yeah, like that less and less. It's not good. So, but like I said, the all black, I just think all black looks dope and black and green, like go to go together. Well, yeah, they do. So I can forgive. 
you know, some and, of enough, the, some of the Pat, things, you, you know? Pat, we, enough about the Jets. Come on, what, what are you talking about them for? I mean, come on. I know. I know. I just think it's funny. I just wanted to laugh at them for a second. Oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know I am. Oh, I know. So, but, uh, but yeah. So, anyways, I, I do want to get into this AAF stuff. And I know, you know, look, as far as the AAF is concerned, as far as, like, for us, for Patriots-wise, it really doesn't make a difference. It's not really changing anything. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll go after one of the, you know, one guy from the from the AAF. Probably not, but maybe. You never know. Um, but, you know, the whole collapse thing is just wild. And uh, Rich Orenberger, who played for the Patriots um, and now is on – he's on Fox Sports Radio and he does some color um, – he does some color analyst. Actually, he was a color analyst for the San Diego Fleet, but he also does color analyst for um, for San Diego State football. He was talking about it, and he, you know, guys in Memphis would came back from their hotel, and their stuff was literally in, like they were waiting in the lobby. Their stuff was in the lobby because their their rooms were no longer paid for. And, and you you, you know, felt like we we talked about this pretty uh, before the show. Like I actually had no idea about this because when we you know. I, I I was like I'm not gonna watch the AF. What do they play on yeah. Monday nights or something? Saturday nights? Yeah, I, didn't know, I don't even know. No idea. About I never that. watched. Yeah. I knew I knew they you know they folded and you know touched upon it a little bit, but I didn't know you know it was that bad. Like what for the players? Oh, yeah. it, it makes me feel bad, you know, because these guys work hard to be considered professional athletes, and you, know, you never want to see that happen as an athlete. No, of course. Well, and then you look at the guys, like even stuff you don't think about, like the injured guys, the injured players. They said they're left out in the cold. They're they're paying for their own rehab, their own medical expenses. They're all paying. So it's like you got hurt playing this game. And now football is a game where you get hurt, and you just that's what happens. But now they have to go out and pay for their own medical expenses and their own rehab and everything else. And so that's that can be a challenge, you know. And you're talking about a torn ACL or something like that. You know, it's one of those things where it's like now you lose your health insurance because you don't you're not employed anymore. And, you know, you got to pay for all this stuff on your own. And so, you know, team level staff members were asked to stay behind and clean out the office without pay and handle refunds, but they weren't told who to give refunds to. And it's like, you know, you just, it was just a ridiculous, like one ridiculous thing after another. Guys were talking about how hotels were billing their credit cards for their stays when they were staying there with the team. (laughs) So it's like. So the hotel was billing the players when they were staying there with the team. And so it's just, it's, it's crazy. And so, you know, uh, it's a, it's a wild situation. A few of the guys have already been signed in the NFL. I'm sure we'll see a few guys kind of sprinkle in here and there, whether they make a roster or not, you know, who knows, right? Rod Smart was the guy from the XFL who kind of jumped over to the Patriots, uh, not the Patriots, jumped over to the, uh, I believe he played for the Panthers. He kind of jumped over. He was, uh, he hate me. Right, so everyone kind of knew him, and he was a decent player. I think Tommy Maddox was in the XFL. So, like, so there were guys that stuck around in the league for a little while from the XFL. Maybe that'll happen with the AF too, but it's like you just don't know. And they didn't even play a long enough season to really identify anyone that was good enough to to target. So, what what a absolute mess of a situation over there, and uh, you know, just more proof that we're oversaturating the market. People don't want more football. You think they want more football, and yet they don't. No one cared about the AAF. There was no one that cared about it. And so I think it's it's a good gauge for the NFL 
to kind of say, you know what? I know there's no stakes. I know people aren't investing in these teams, but I mean, let's try to scale back some of our coverage a little bit because if we keep oversaturating this market, yes, the AF, again, no one cares about it. It's totally different from the NFL, but those games are on NFL Network. So, you know, they were partnered with the NFL a little bit and they still folded. And so, you know, to me, you start to look at that and say, uh, maybe that's a little bit of a red flag, you know, for, for the NFL to say, let's pull back on the reins a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've said it since the start. I'll never watch another league besides the NFL. It's just, it, there'll, there'll be nothing else close to that. I'm not, it's like watching double-A baseball when I think of the AAF and the XFL. You know, like, I, right. if these guys aren't good enough to play in the NFL, why, I'm not really going to watch them. You know, I mean, it's great they're, they were bringing, you know, cities that don't really have a lot of professional sports like Birmingham and, and, and you know, cities like that. They're giving them, you know, it was a, it was the right marketing idea to put these, you know, teams in, in, you know, low market places, someone itching for, you know, a professional sports team. But until the NFL is, isn't the NFL, like, these, these leagues aren't going to succeed. Right. No, that's true. I mean, it's just – you just can't do it, right? To start up like that, you know, it would be like starting a cell phone company and trying to compete with Apple right now. It's like, well, great. I mean, you can start up a company and and try your best to sell it, but like, how could you possibly be as good as Apple? You just can't, can't be. It's not going to happen. And so, you know, at this point, you're right. AF has no fan base. There's no reason for anyone to watch any of these games. And so, you know, it's just not, it just doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, you know? And I think, what the XFL did well that the AF didn't do is the XFL was so drastically different. Their footballs were, I mean, stupid yeah, stuff. By the Their last footballs were and, different. And the girls on the sidelines. But they did actually get a lot of stuff. I mean, that's an interesting 30 for 30. That whole on-field right. cam, they got that from the XFL, the NFL. So Right. Well, and that's what I mean is that they marketed themselves different than the NFL. And the NFL realized that, hey, some of this stuff really works. And it's the XFL, so no one really cared that much. They cared enough that it stuck around for a little while, you know. And so it's one of those things where you – and I don't think it's a long-term thing. But if you can come out and be different, that's what you want. Not just here's another football team. Well, it's like no one cares about that. We're basically watching semi-pro football. That's just dumb. Why are we doing that? Right? But if you can say, hey, you know, we're going to do this. And, you know, the crazy thing – and, you know, part of my take always has these, like, ridiculous ideas for, like, you know, crazy ideas for, for games or, you know, point systems. I remember like Wiggins, uh, Wiggy on Felger and Maz is like, you know, you kick from 50 yards for, you know, five points or something like that after a field, which is ridiculous. But like, you have to have something like that to, you know, spurn interest of people to be like, huh, I wonder how that would look on the field, you know? And, and so if you just play in a football game, it's like, well, why are we watching that when we can watch the NFL? It's just, I'm not doing that. And I know it's the off season, but like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. I miss football too, but I don't miss it enough to watch the AF. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Like you said, I mean, it's just, I want football, but my football season is August to Super Bowl Sunday, thankfully, because we're Patriot fans. And then yeah. right after that, guess what? Pitchers and catchers report and it's Bruins playoffs and the Celtics playoffs. I don't have time to watch, you know, AF, XFL, PSL, whatever they want to create now. I'm sorry, right. it'll never happen for me. So, right, yeah. So, anyways, it, it, wild, wild situation. So we hope you know everyone over there is is okay. I mean, it's just it's a crap situation for everyone involved. So unfortunately, um, but you know that's the way it goes. So, 
anyways, that does it for the show tonight. Uh, thank you all for, for listening once again. We have some really, really good shows coming up. Um, we have, uh, we're doing a mock draft next week with a really fun guest. We're going to be talking Patriots draft targets the next week with another really solid NFL draft guest. And then we're going to be doing a live reaction to the Patriots first round pick on dra- on Thursday night draft night. It will, the pod will be out Friday morning, Thursday night during the draft. Spags will be Spags and I will be on instant reaction to the Patriots first round pick and kind of the goings on of the entire first round. So that's going to be a lot of fun to do. And so there'll be a lot of stuff going on. So definitely uh, we got some, that's three straight weeks. We're going to have some really, really good content. So, uh, so stick with us and uh, you know, thanks again for, for sticking it out and three weeks, three weeks to the NFL draft, three weeks. We can't can wait, it. baby. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, brother. I'll, I will, uh, I'll talk to you. Thanks guys. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See you everybody. Thank you.